the Black Doctors Podcast, Season 6. Hello, welcome back to the Black Doctors Podcast. I'm Steven, your host. I hope you're enjoying this new format of the show, this new season, this new theme music composed by yours truly. As always, if you have any feedback or comments, leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. This week, we're going to wrap up the conversation we started at the beginning of the month. We're talking about transitions the entire month of June. This week, you'll hear from myself, Dr. Nate Jones, and Dr. Kiana Ward. We're going to talk about transitioning from being a learner, such as a medical student or a resident, to becoming an educator, so a resident, fellow, or attending physician. We'll talk about navigating your first job as an attending, both in the private practice world as well as the academic world, things you should know, look out for, and possibly avoid. And we'll talk about how we as attendings, as residents, can look back and help foster and support other underrepresented minorities in medicine. Stay tuned for Sign Out, where we talk once again with Dr. Brittany Halford. And this week, she shares some tips for managing finances during residency. So getting a jump start on your retirement savings and those flexible spending accounts, all that good stuff. Stay tuned at the end. Next week, we're going to have a sponsored episode. It's going to feature Michael Johnson of Michael Johnson Legal. He specializes in physician contracts. So if you have any questions about what you should be looking into or looking at when you're applying to your future job, definitely tune in next week. We'll hear from one of our sponsors and then jump into this week's episode. This podcast is sponsored by Picmonic. In 2011, two medical students came up with the ingenious idea to combine medical education with unforgettable characters and ridiculously memorable stories. Featuring over 35,000 high-yield facts and graphics, Picmonic has helped over 600,000 students improve exam scores and perform better clinically. Picmonic has resources for pre-med and medical students, as well as other healthcare professionals. Check out the show notes for a link to their website. Mention the podcast when you subscribe. With Picmonic, you can study less, but remember more. As uh, attending physician, so Kiana, you started off in academics, and Nate, you still practice in academics. So how did you learn or navigate becoming an educator and really, you know, having that huge responsibility of teaching residents, medical students? Nate, I know you had a little bit of that in fellowship, but... Kiana, how did you transition into that role? I think part of it was innate. Um, You know, I have a a large family that's full of educators. So I think it was probably always in me. Um, I kind of just had to tap into it, especially like I remember being in medical school and in residency. And I always wanted to be, you know, an educator that, you know, at least pushed the students that at least encouraged them to learn and not berate them or belittle them. So I kind of tried to tap into the educator that I had always wanted um, and tried to exude that. And, you know, I do miss it. I do miss it. I, I, I think teaching is important. I just needed to branch out there just on my own. That makes sense. That makes sense. I, honestly, I feel that um, it's the same thing. Like, I think we all remember, like, our really good attendings and our really good, like, co-residents or our fellows that taught us and what made them so great about it and try to keep those same same ability, same everything. And I don't know, it's been, I, just, I, I say the same thing. I'm, I'm not, um, I don't think I'm a natural educator, <laughs> but I do think that because I, I struggle sometimes with trying to figure out what residents need to know. Hmm. Uh, we, in pediatric emergency medicine, we have residents that cycle through all different fields, family medicine, 
you know, general emergency medicine, obviously pediatrics. And some people, as you know, in residency, like, or even in medical school, will go into your field and some people will not. And so trying to figure out what level the learner is, what they need, what they would like to know, what they need to know, because everybody needs to know something of every rotation they have. So trying to figure out something. Many a time I've had to deal with a pregnant patient, which I paid more attention to OB. This is what I've learned to do it. Um, so I've learned along the way, just like try to give them a little nugget knowledge because they may never directly treat kids, but they um, will at one point in time need to know how to. So. Yeah, which I, I guess comes to story time. Um, I will say, well, this is Roger from residency when there I was at oh. the University of Chicago Emergency Oh, God, here department. we go. <laughs> and... <laughs> Oh, yeah. I, I had to do, you know, usually in the ER, I figure out the system and I was like, okay, if there's a pelvic complaint or gun complaint, I avoided it. Then I got stuck with one one night and I definitely called Kiana. I said, I got to put a, a GYN console. She's in New York. I called her. I said, uh, I was supposed to uh, <laughs> oh, close God. the pelvic before, exam? I, before I take it out, right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Wow. So it's, it's good to have friends um, wow. in, in other specialties. That's good, though. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I see, I've hit you up before with like sedation questions. Like when I'm like, yeah. should I, can I use ketamine X, Y? Yeah, I've done that before. Yeah, it takes, um, it takes a village. Have, yeah. Um, we're always, always there for each other. Yeah. My, my transition into being an educator, it was because uh, I definitely, you know, switched programs. I went from Chicago to Naval Medical Center, Portsmouth, had an academic, you know, residency program there. And it was very obvious, like, man, I'm the new guy. I, I look young compared to everybody else that's here. I'm the only person here that looks like me. How do I, you know, step into this role? And it was a lot, you know, I think imposter syndrome is the, the phrase that's widely used, but it was a lot of confirming to myself that I received good training. I know how to do anesthesia. I know how to practice safely. But that is couched with the institutional practices where, they do things different every, anywhere you go. And mm-hmm. sometimes there can be like a lack of trust if you move to a new system. The residents are like, I don't know this this person and they practice differently. And it was almost like I had to prove myself, especially in the beginning, to show that, yes, I know what I'm talking about um, and show my level of training and, and earn the trust of the attendings, residents, uh, surgeons, especially it's huge in anesthesia mm-hmm. that you want your uh, surgeons to really trust what you're doing. And it goes to show that even from day one at medical school, you're building that reputation for yourself. You're building a reputation mm-hmm. when you step foot on the wards as a third-year medical student and a fourth-year medical student. You're building a reputation as an intern. And it doesn't change once you're attending. You want to mm-hmm. be the person that your colleagues look to for advice, mm-hmm. for help. Um, so being present, being available, always being willing to lend a helping hand, especially in the beginning when you're establishing yourself. No, it's true. It's true. I think when you go to a new institution, I think I wonder if I always wonder like if our like our white colleagues have to do the same thing. Um, I imagine at some level, but probably not much more. Uh, but um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so what you ever do? New, I mean, when you're a trainee, certain people expect you to be some. Based of your your years, like if you're a senior resident versus an intern, there's some baseline expectation. But I do be I do think being a um, a black resident until a black attending is definitely hard when you're a new institution, especially if the institution is not a very inclusive in its environment and understanding of that everyone who has went through training should know what they're doing and should be okay. And we were hired because we know how to do that. 
But yeah, no, I think it's the biggest thing. I, I've I've gotten I got my first my first month into um, my job. I had like, at least three instances when I had to like explicitly state I know what I'm doing, and <laughs> this is why I think we should do what we do. <laughs> and it, but I think you have to. Um, that's what comes with the territory sometimes too. I think being a, a black physician, like sometimes you only you can only get beat yourself up so much for things that are not your fault. Like it's not imposter mm-hmm. syndrome. I don't believe it's something that's an individual's fault. That's largely because. You're in a system and an environment which doesn't support you. And so in a way of being radical is having the self-preservation to say like, oh, no, I'm actually, nah, this is this is what we're going to do. We have, we have questions about it, we can talk about it. But like, I don't, I don't think we need to have you <laughs> ask me questions about like verse head versus Ativan. And I said, that's, yeah, I'm not trying to do all that. So like. <laughs> and and uh, Kiana, you've since moved from academic medicine into mm-hmm. um, private Private practice? Yeah, it's still technically private practice. It's owned by Wake Forest. Yeah. What has that yeah. experience been yeah. like? It's been amazing. It's been a, an amazing experience. Um, you know, it. You know, the healthcare system. You know, it works here. Um, people love their job, and I think when people love their job, they're they're more productive at work. The nurses love the system. The doctors love the system. But what I appreciate about it is that when they if there's something that we feel doesn't work, they're very proactive about trying to find solutions to make that change. Um, so like our post-call day, we prefer to, you know, to have that day off versus go to clinic. So they're actively trying to hire mid-levels to take on more of the clinic responsibility. So we have our post-call days off. So I appreciate it. It's very different not having a, you know, resident that, you know, I do my cases, I either do them with another attending or with a, a PA hmm. that assists. So there, there are aspects of like, you know, surgical skills that, you know, you have to maintain. And I, I feel like, you know, the responsibility of having to teach someone isn't there. You know, it's just Dr. Ward and, and her OR case and, and getting through her cases throughout the day. So I really like it. Hmm. And, and Maybe, to clarify... Because you transitioned from an inner city hospital to now what a community mm-hmm. hospital in the south? Yeah, rural North Carolina. Yeah, <laughs> love it. I love, it. Here. <laughs> love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's crazy because like you you're exposed to different things in residency, and we have that yes. tendency to think that this is the way it is everywhere, and. Mm-hmm moving around really opens up your eyes to the different types of practice. And, and burnout is huge. Burnout's been in the news, right? But I think, and I firmly believe that burnout, but don't quote me on this, this is probably <laughs> evidence-based or whatever, but burnout is like, if it's not working, whatever you're doing is not working, you got to change that. So whether that's moving from the inner city of New York to the boondocks of South Carolina... Oh no, see, now people from South Carolina are not going to be Sorry. Uh, and now a word from our sponsors. Hey, it's Steven, host of the Black Doctors Podcast. I hope you're enjoying this episode. I want to take a minute to talk about TrueLearn. They are a sponsor of the Black Doctors Podcast, and we're thankful for them investing in our mission. TrueLearn is a company that specializes in test preparation, they provide a data driven approach to help students prepare for their examinations. They provide resources for those in the medical licensure exam process with a complex, a USMLE, and even for physician assistants. And they also provide resources for subspecialty exam prep. Specifically for those in medical school, they offer individual NBME subject exam smart banks, and they cover the rotations that include neurology, emergency medicine, psychiatry, pediatrics, surgery, OBGYN, family medicine, and internal medicine. Eight 
different subspecialties. As a special bonus for those of you that listen to the show, TrueLearn is offering a discount. To receive that discount, visit their website. When you sign up for one of their products, use the code BDPODCAST. So Black Doctors Podcast. There's also going to be a link in the show notes. Check that out. Everybody loves saving money. And now let's get back to today's episode. Burnout. I mean, don't quote me on this. This is probably isn't <laughs> evidence-based or whatever. But burnout is like, if it's not working, whatever you're doing is not working, you got to change that. So whether that's moving from the inner city of New York to the boondocks of South Carolina. Oh, no. See, now people from South Carolina are not going to be that. Oh, Sorry. Sorry. Uh, inner city of New York <laughs> to a small rural hospital change something try something new and see if that yeah. contributes to a better uh lifestyle or sense of well-being yeah. you know what's interesting too is i wonder if because i always think there's a fear of trying to make that change because i yeah. feel like for so long we've been taught to just survive mm-hmm. to just get through mm-hmm. and then when you have the opportunity to be like you know what i'm, I'm not going to go to the to clinic after i worked overnight that's not that's not what i'm gonna do mm-hmm. um that is that's a lot of power in that and I, that does help with the burnout i mm-hmm. i found like for me, I've had to make decisions about like how much time I spend with all my charting and things. Like I, I have, I have metrics. Like everyone else has metrics, but like if I, if I go home and I can't do it, if I can't do it before I I leave the ED, then it will get done next day. It's, it's just mm-hmm. I won't sacrifice my well being because I can't take care of more kids mm-hmm. if I can't take care of myself. So, and this this, this career has to go on for a little bit longer than a year. So we gotta make, we gotta make it last. We gotta make it last. <laughs> <laughs> Um, there was a, there was a feeling of, you know, I'm kind of letting, I guess with leaving New York, I was kind of letting the community that Mm. I had trained, you know, I went to Howard. So predominantly, you know, African-American population, Brooklyn, central Brooklyn, Afro-Caribbean patient population, and now moving to an area where I'm the minority in more rural North Carolina, there was an aspect of, you know, I, I, and I'm kind of, I don't want to say letting down, but I, th- there was an aspect of that that I had to kind of muster up and just say, I have to do this for my own mental health and my own my own well-being, that I, I need to step away from the academia at this time. Because it, it became to be a little too much, um, mm-hmm. just because, you know, the responsibility of teaching medical students and residents is not something that I take lightly. I need to like when you have that kind of role, you want to make sure that you are setting forth the best students and, you know, the best providers. And, you know, to be able to do that, I think, you know, that that can take a toll on anyone. Exactly. Yeah. You can't pour from an empty cup. You got to take care of yourself first. You touched on something that is so important as black people in professions and medicine. We carry like the weight of our ancestors as a minority text and we feel like we we are solely responsible for increasing diversity in medicine, increasing diversity in obstetric and gynecology, and that we have to carry this load. And in part, sure, there's a responsibility there, but it, it can very easily overtake who we are and completely throw our lives out of out of focus and out of kilter. And we've got to really protect our, ourselves and realize that you know this is the only life that we get. Um, and yes, you can have a significant impact on the culture and on the community in other ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always say your your, your simple presence in a, in a predominantly white oppressive system is radical, right? The fact that you exist in a system that doesn't is not built for you to exist yes. is a radical act. So don't don't take don't take for granted that ability to just be present and just mm-hmm. be there. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I think that is that's the that's the that's the biggest thing. And then you can build from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to kind of close by talking about we kind of naturally came to this theme. Diversity in medicine. We've talked about, or the literature is full of the leaky pipeline and how we lose uh, medical students and residents and folks along the way. And I struggled with helping people. Like when I was a medical student, I was just trying to get through, so I couldn't really mentor. In residency, I was trying to get through. I couldn't really mentor as much as I wanted to reach back. Um, as, As an attending, I fortunately had the time, had the resources to reach out and be supportive and encourage other students. You know, I started this podcast, for example. Um, how have the two of you been able to kind of help um, increase or support the diversity that we hope to see in our healthcare profession? Wow. Well, I don't have a podcast. I wish I do all that work. I don't have a brand and a logo. I do all that <laughs> it's a big task. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I, for me, I, it's always, I am always grateful for those who came before me who took the time to, and still take the time to mentor me. Um, so I, if it's as easy as answering an email or a, t- or a tweet or um, having like, a, I've, had, I've had like, like you know, ran, random like FaceTime conversations with people. Um Versus like long-term, like longitudinal mentorship as well. Like it's whatever I have the ability to do, but also what I think is going to be helpful for that person. Because sometimes it may not be me that's the person that they need. Sometimes I can put them in touch with somebody else that may be a lot more useful for them. Um, and they may not need, also may not mean like a you know a, a three-year mentor, mentorship or it may just be like need a 30-minute conversation about something. Um, so I think just make yourself available. And I, I try not to be like, I'm so busy. Like, no, nah, I really was just watching Netflix for the last like three hours. I could have I could have easily had a conversation with you about this, but it's okay. No, no, but Nate, don't sell yourself short because you did earn a master's in public policy, and mm-hmm. you are involved in um, pediatrics and policy yes. work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think. Well, yeah. So I'm also part of the section of um, minority health equity and inclusion at the American Academy of Pediatrics, and a lot of the work that we've done there has been looking at increasing work- workforce diversity, building it from there. I think it's been helpful. Like I think, but it's also what's what my passion is. I don't think every single person who is a black doctor should be. Um, everyone, everyone needs to be a mentor, right? In yeah. some cases, some people, some people may not be a great mentor, may not want to be a mentor, and that's that's okay too. We don't look at you a little crazy, but I mean, <laughs> people give you a side eye. But, um, but it's it's and also not every the black you know or even other marginalized. Um, provider is should do diversity equity inclusion work like it's not you know you're not being black doesn't mean you know dei work um but it also means you don't always have to be the one to do it we need we need we need, we need us in other spaces too so i don't know i definitely think i did a lot more mentorship where i was in brooklyn just because you know i had access to a lot of different medical students so, you know, especially when students are coming through the rotation, definitely had more exposure and, and everybody reached out to me just because, you know, you're the clerkship director, you're the associate program director. What, how can you help with, you know, my, my path through not just OBGYN, but other aspects of medicine? Um, so students have definitely reached out, kept in touch with a few. Where I am now, I don't really have much access to medical students. 
Um, they don't really rotate with us. I think more PAs do, but I'd be willing to, to continue mentorship if you have anybody that's interested in obstetrics and gynecology, because it's, it's not easy. You know, programs are small and, you know, I definitely had a lot of people, especially in, in our class that were trying to discourage me from going into the field just because of the lifestyle. So um, it'd definitely be great to hear from someone that's actually in the specialty. Yeah. And and if you want to hear more about the specialty, you can go to season one plug. of the Black Doctors podcast. Oh, yes. where we have <laughs> episodes that you both. Steve, you should be coming and check. We got to check with everybody this episode. Everybody, Matt, Eric, we get checked. We all get checked. On that note, the talent's getting uh, unruly. We're going to call it quits. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Black Doctors Podcast. Special thanks to Italo Brown, Nate Jones, Canna Ward. Hope you like this new format uh, where we're going to really bring some incredible folks on so you can hear their voices and we can explore some of the tougher topics that we deal with as Black people in medicine or trying to get into medicine. So thanks so much for tuning in and listening to the Black Doctors podcast because representation matters. Thank you so much. music. Where's the melodica? All right. And now it's time for Sign Out with Dr. Brittany Halford, host of the More Joy, More Wealth YouTube channel. Since this is not financial advice, don't sue us. She's got an incredible wealth of information. Brittany, this month we're talking specifically to folks in a period of transition. So for the medical students that are transitioning into residency, what are some of the things that they should know with regards to setting up their finances? Thank you for having me. Um, This is a key critical topic because (laughs) there is a post that I have on my Instagram about mistakes that I made in residency. And I Mm. think oftentimes when we transition from medical school to residency, we, we have a perspective of we don't, um, we are, we are really not earning money. I think, I don't know about you, but at least when I started, (laughs) uh, when I started residency, you know, everyone told me that, well, you know, you're not really earning anything as a resident, but you are, you know, if you think about the average income in America, we earn about what, 60K, I think now is the resident salary. I I was happy. I was happy to make money. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 60K was like more than what many of my family members had earned. So you have to first start with that mindset that you are earning money and no, it's not six figures, but it's still high compared to most Americans. Yes, you work hard. You work very hard. So (laughs) when you balance that out, uh, you know, and spread it out uh, amongst all of the hours that you're putting in, no, it's not that much per hour, but you're still earning a a decent salary. And so you have to position yourself to be a really good steward of that money. And how do you do that? So one is just understanding. I'm going to go back to it. You know, joy is my thing. Mm -hmm. But understanding what brings you joy. And this is critical, I believe, as a resident, because you have both limited time, you have limited energy, 
And, you know, you're not making all that much money (laughs) compared to your what your attending salary will be. And so focusing on joy is so critical because you could spend your money in many different ways. You could spend it on eating out. You could spend it on drinking alcohol. You could spend it on traveling or you could spend it on shopping. Whatever it is that's going to make you feel good when you're tired, when you're hungry, when you're fatigued and your energy is low. But that is really not how we should be spending our money. We shouldn't spend our money emotionally to put bandages on things that that really aren't going to give us much joy, but they're just fulfilling a need in the moment and giving us some type of happiness or filling this this void. Right. So I would really love for all medical students, like before you start residency, before you get all jaded, right? <laughs> when you're in your best mood, write down really what brings you joy because I want you to focus on those things in your finances. Then what I would love for everyone to do to set themselves up is to create an emergency fund because things happen in residency. Unfortunately, I lost my brother Mm. and I took some time off from residency. And thankfully, we had, you know, finances in order. But what if we didn't? What if my family needed me to help to fill in that void? Yeah. And. Oftentimes we go into debt, we have more financial stress because we have not prepared for emergencies. I don't want you to save for a rainy day because I think that puts us in a position of perpetual saving. But what I want you to do is to have an emergency fund. And if you don't have an emergency fund and you don't know where to start, then I like to tell people, if you don't have anyone dependent on you, then just start with $1,000. Typically, that will cover most emergencies, a flat tire or something happens wrong with your car, you know, things of that nature. If you have a small, you know, fracture or something like that, then it should cover most emergencies. Then I want you to save and save and invest. So you're going to be saving for your investments and you're going to automate those investments. And this is one of the biggest mistakes that I made as a resident is that I did not max out my Roth IRA. Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes when we're in a position of which we hear that, oh, we're not making that much money. Oh, you know, when you are a real doctor, you're going to be balling out. Then you feel as if what you have is insufficient to build wealth. But what I like to tell my clients is to leverage your income. One of my patients told me I was complaining about something. Oh, I told her I wanted to go to the gym because I wanted to get a few more curves. And she's like, well, you're nice and thin and slim. And, you know, they pay models a lot of money to look like that. So basically she was telling me to shake what my mama gave me, to be blessed and, and, and really to enjoy what God has given me. And that's what I would tell the residents too, as you transition from a medical student to a resident is to leverage the position that you're in because you're not making quote unquote, a full attending salary. You are in a very position to invest directly into a Roth IRA. And when you become Mm. an, an attending, you're going to have to take the back door, which you can still get money into a Roth IRA, but it changes how you can utilize that money when you want it. 
And so I did not max out my Roth IRA every year when I was below the income limit to take the front door via a contributory Roth. So those are the key things that I think medical students abroad can really start to implement like day one after you graduate. All right, I'm going to get my emergency fund. I'm going to write down what brings me joy. And I'm going to create a strategy to max out my Roth IRA every single day. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. Um, and we've talked, you've been on the show before. I definitely made a lot of mistakes along the way. So I'm so glad you're there to help keep other people from making those mistakes that we made. Yes. Awesome. Thank you for this segment. I mean, this is great to have this information. I wish. <laughs> I wish I had it. Yes. Awesome. Thanks for joining us again. If you want to learn more, check out the More Joy, More Wealth YouTube channel or follow Brittany Halford on Instagram. I'll put links in the show notes. Dr. Halford, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. The Black Doctors Podcast is a volunteer passion project that is building a community and inspiring current and future Black physicians and healthcare workers. If you enjoy listening, please tell a friend about the show and share a link on social media. We are a small team and can use your help. You can find us online at theblackdoctorspodcast.com or visit us on Instagram. Tune in next week for another episode of the Black Doctors Podcast because representation matters. Original music and audio editing by Dr. Stephen Bradley. Special thanks to creative director, Dr. Nate Jones. And to our panelists and contributors, Dr. Italo Brown, Dr. Kayana Ward, and Dr. Brittany Halford.